At the age of 20, I had an encounter with Christ. I, I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, my parents taught me the Bible. I went to Awana for a period of time, Sunday school, church, just about every Sunday. I uh, did the Christian camp thing. And so I knew a lot of Bible stories. I actually even got bribed a couple times to memorize scripture. I remember getting paid $10 to memorize Psalm 1. I still know it. But at the time, it was all about the money. It wasn't about the Bible. But So I had a lot of Bible in me growing up. But it wasn't until the age of 20 that it actually came alive for me. I encountered Christ and his love for me one day at church. I was actually sitting in back and I had this encounter with God that just transformed me. And part of that encounter was it changed my view of the Bible. It changed how I looked at the Bible, how I read the Bible. It was literally like somebody took a light switch and flipped it on. That there was power in the Bible, but I wasn't connected to that power, and now I was. And all of a sudden, the stories weren't just stories. The teachings weren't just teachings. And I don't remember who it was or if I went and bought it, but at that time, it was before smartphones, I bought a pocket Bible. And so I had a pocket New Testament that I stuck in my pocket and I carried it around with me wherever I went for three or four years. If I was at work and had a free minute, I would pull out that pocket Bible and I would read it because I was just so hungry to know God's word and to understand God's word. It was also during that time that somebody it was actually my aunt and my grandma, I found out, gave me this study Bible. Um, it's a MacArthur study Bible, and it was given to me on my 21st birthday. And so all of a sudden, I had a Bible that at the bottom, it actually explained what the Bible meant. So I could read a section, and if I had questions, I literally could just go to the bottom of the page and be like, hmm, what does that mean? Oh, it says right there. And so it began to help me understand and apply God's word. And I was just immersed in it. And funny little story is, um, I was into the really baggy pants, so this was a pocket Bible too. I remember being able to take this and put it in my back pocket. Um, Yeah, not my most glorious days. but. (laughs) And on top of this, somehow instinctively I knew, either because of how I grew up or something, I instinctively knew that the Bible had answers for my life. That it wasn't simply stories or a collection of history, but that literally I could have a question about life and go to God's word and he would provide answers for my life. And so it was very clear, and even in here when I looked, I have, I made my, the the study Bible wasn't enough, so I made a list of topics, you know, and where the answer was in God's word for each one of these topics. And so that was my training ground. That was my beginning time with God. And I can tell you that being immersed in God's word, having God's word alive to me and transforming me, has turned me into the person I am today, whether or not you like me. And as we begin this, or continue this series, Praxis, and praxis, this word simply means practice, in Latin and Greek. And what we're trying to say through this word is that as followers of Jesus, there's certain things that we should practice that make us healthy and make us healthy followers of Christ. And one of these practices is having a relationship with the word of God, that we are actually reading it, understanding it, and applying it to our lives. And it's pretty normal because as you read in the Bible, 
it's pretty clear that as humans, we are bent against God, and it's normal for us to make decisions that are not healthy. And if we are left to ourselves, we are naturally rule breakers, not rule keepers. We want to run our own lives because we think we know what's best for our lives. We are fiercely independent, and when somebody or something steps into our life and says, that's not the right way. You might want to think of something different. Our normal knee-jerk reaction is, who are, you tell, who are you to tell me how to live my life? Who are you to think that you know better than me for my life? And the Bible clearly has a way of doing that to us. And as we explore these practices of followers of Jesus, it's important to recognize that we are not looking for perfection. And I am no way trying to heap guilt on you wherever you are at in your relationship with God or in your relationship with reading and understanding God's word. I simply would love to see you make movement. Not perfection, progress. Just a little bit of progress moving forward in your understanding and your desire to connect with God through the Bible. Lifeway did a research survey of a thousand people on the Bible. And when asked how much of the Bible people had personally read, it kind of splits down the middle. About half of the people interviewed said, I have read between none to a several passages or stories in the Bible. The other half said, I've read at least half the Bible or all of it more than once. And so within our context here, we probably have a variety of people. We probably have some who've read little to none of it, and others who have read it multiple times. On top of that, they asked the question of which of the followings describes what the Bible is to you. About 50% said that the predominant purpose of the Bible is a good source of moral teachings. 38% see it as historically accurate. 37% believe it's helpful. 36 say it's true, 35% believe it's life-changing, 34% believe it's a story, and the rest of the responses were divided between the Bible being outdated, bigoted, harmful, not sure, and none of all of those. So with such a variety of views and understanding of the Bible, it's important to know your personal view. How do you view the Bible? When you open it, or if you open it, or if you think about it, what is your view of the Bible? Because the way you view the Bible and interact with it will affect your view of life, of God, your purpose. And I'm not telling you to believe a certain way, but you have to identify that if you go in and you think that the Bible is simply a collection of moral teachings, you will go in looking for moral teachings. If you go in and say that the Bible is full of bigotry and hate, you will go into the Bible looking for bigotry and hate. If you go into the Bible saying, man, I believe this is true and it's the word of God, you will go in with that lens to try to understand it in light of that way. And it's important to understand how we actually look at the Bible before we enter into it. Now, I could stand up here today and say, hey, here's my view of the Bible. I have a lot of perspectives on the Bible, and maybe some of you would like to hear all my great opinions. But instead of doing that, I'm going to actually just take you shortly through what the Bible says about itself. 
Because the Bible makes many statements about itself, and the statements the Bible, since I'll tip my card, since I believe the Bible is true, then what it says about itself is truth to me, so I'd rather hear what the Bible has to say about itself. So here's, and this is not an exhaustive list, this is just a few things to whet your appetite. So first, the Bible is alive. One of my favorite verses is in Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. For me, I have had that happen more than once, where I've gotten in God's word and it has cut me apart. It has dissected my motives, my desires, and pointed out where I need to make adjustments. And when the Bible came alive for me, I didn't feel like I had to read the Bible. But I wanted to read it. Because it was alive, and it was alive in me. And as I read the scriptures, I didn't just encounter words. I encountered God and his words for me. Jesus when he lived on earth, he actually was speaking to the religious leaders of the time. They knew the Old Testament, the Bible of that day. They understood it. They tried to apply it. But Jesus challenged them that it wasn't a matter of just knowing the word. It was about going even one step farther. And he, here's what Jesus said to them. You search the scripture because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. If we simply go to the Bible, to study the Bible, and not to encounter God, we have missed a large part of its purpose. There's a direct correlation towards your relationship with God and whether or not the Bible comes alive to you. And the Bible is this massive flashing lighthouse beacon saying there's a God he is alive you can discover who he is in these pages but not just discover who he is you can actually meet with him from cover to cover we see scripture pointing towards Jesus and the Bible is alive a gentleman named Hein Pham was a Vietnamese Christian who in 1971 was an interpreter for an American who was preaching in Vietnam. He's preaching the gospel to servicemen and other people, and here Hein Pham was translating. When South Vietnam fell to the communists, Mr. Hien was arrested and accused of helping the Americans. And daily his captors pounded him with communism propaganda, and they were indoctrinating him against the Bible and Christianity. Finally, after a period of time, the teachings of evolution, Marx, Engels began to take their toll. And one night, Mr. Heen thought, perhaps I've been lied to. This God who I say exists doesn't really exist because he wouldn't allow me to be tortured like the way I'm being tortured. He then decided that evening that he would not pray anymore. The next morning he woke up and he was assigned to the toilet duty. He had to go and clean the prison toilets 
And so he walks into these toilets, and as he's cleaning out the used toilet paper, a piece of toilet paper catches his eyes with English writing on it. So he wiped off the excrement from it, stuck it in his pocket, and went away. Later on that evening, when everyone was asleep, he pulled that piece of paper out, unfolded it, and he was familiar with the English Bible. And for some reason, that guard had decided that day to rip out one page in a Bible to use as toilet paper, and the page was Romans 8. And if you're familiar with Romans 8, one of the verses in it states, And we know that in all things God works together for the good of those who love him. And he continued to read on in Romans 8, and it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In that moment, Mr. Heen realized that God had not abandoned him. And he wept and repented and said, God, forgive me that I was at the verge of turning away from you. But that wasn't the end of it. The next day, Mr. Heen volunteered to clean the toilets. And he realized that the guard was tearing through the Bible. And every day, he would take a piece of paper out of that trash and clean it off and read it. And it became a treasure to him, full of great joy. The Bible is alive. And even in the darkest, dankest places where people feel abandoned, God's word can still bring transformation. And the Bible isn't only alive. The Bible itself talks about that the Bible is inspired by God. That the Bible did not begin with humanity, it began with God. And as God spoke to humans, they wrote it down for us. 2 Peter 1.20-21 states it like this. Above all else, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiatives. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Throughout the Bible, you see many prophets who wrote down prophecies that were later fulfilled. One of the cool things about the Bible is it was written by 40 different people over a period of 1,500 years on three different continents in three different languages. So somebody could write something down and predict that something was going to happen in the future, and you can literally read through the Bible and see that that prediction comes true. In the Barton Payne's Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy, it states that there are 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament and about 578 in the New Testament, a total of about 1,800 prophecies in the Bible. In just Jesus' life, death alone, there were more than 300 of these prophecies fulfilled. And these 300 prophecies have been documented that they were written down 700 plus years before Jesus came. The chance of that being simply a chance is off the charts. There's no possible way that somebody could have manipulated the outcome of all these prophecies. And why did they come true? 
because they began in the mind of God, were transferred, transferred through human authors, and written down. And with this in mind, I can personally confidently say that the Bible did not originate with people, but it originated with God. So the Bible is alive, it's inspired, and I could go into much more on inspiration. And the Bible is also a guide that is true. Psalm 119 states, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And the Bible is meant to lay out a blueprint for life, for existence and how we live. And it's not just one of many options, but it's the life that God has set apart for you. In 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul states to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do right. The Bible recalibrates our lives. It guides our lives. Let alone, we will self-destruct. And sometimes self-destructing is this flaming blaze of glory. And we've all seen people who have imploded or exploded. And we've gone, oh my goodness, how could they do that? But many other times, it is a slow, steady decay on the inside. That we're getting hollowed out on the inside. And we know that something's not right and something's missing on the inside. But we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. And the Bible is a guide and it is true and it helps bring life on the inside. It also points out our blind spots. All of us have blind spots and the reason they're called blind spots is because you don't know about them. So if you think you don't have one, you probably do because they're a blind spot. And the the word of God has ways of pointing out our blind spots. That as we read it and are consistently in it, we go, oh, ah, I recognize that about my life. In an airplane, if you get one degree off course, in one mile you'll miss a target by 92 feet. In 60 miles, you will miss your target by one mile. If you flew around the equator on an airplane... One degree off, in one revolution around the planet, you would be 500 miles off course. If you got in an airplane and flew from JFK to California, to LAX, with one degree off, you'd land 50 miles off course. I wonder with our lives, Are we aware how easy it is to just get off course? And maybe to begin with, it's not a big deal. But over time, we begin to recognize that the gap gets bigger and bigger. The Bible is a guide, but it's not just a guide. It is a true guide. Now, some might just say, well, hey, it's a great moral book. And how can you really say that the Bible is true? As mentioned before, I mentioned prophecies. That's a big part of all the fulfilled prophecies. Another is the historical and archaeological evidence that points towards the truth of what's been written down. 
Every time they discover something new archaeologically in the Middle East that's in any way connected with the Bible, it only reaffirms what the Bible had written down. Another way that we can say the Bible is true is because it works. But that's pragmatism. The Bible isn't true because it works. The Bible is true, therefore it works. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of flip it around a little bit. The Bible is true, therefore it should work. I remember hearing about one gentleman that went up to a guy that was talking about how the Bible is true. And the Bible is true. And the guy went up to him and said, I don't believe that one word in the Bible is true. And so the other guy looked at him and punched him right in the face. And he starts bleeding. And the guy's like, what'd you just do? And the guy opens his Bible to Proverbs 30, verse 33, and reads, As the beating of cream yields butter, and striking the nose causes bleeding. So stirring up anger causes quarrels. We know that verse is true. Now, I don't recommend you go out that way to prove that the Bible is true. But you get my point. But on more serious areas, areas the truth of the Bible has been shown in science. Societal structures, marriage, relationships, mental and physical health, and more. Many people want to know if something is true before they do it, and I can tell you that the Bible works because it's true. What if, as followers of Christ, we simply practice the one verse, which is the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. What if, as humanity... Every single person on the planet practiced that one verse. Love God with everything you have and then love your neighbor as yourself. Do you think the world would look a little bit different? Do you think our relationships with everybody would look a little bit different? Do you think a lot of the issues that we deal with every single day, if we simply came back and understood who God was and poured our lives into loving him and loving everybody around us, do you think our world would change? I think we'd be in a much different place than we are now. And I could go on and on about the Bible and its importance, how it's alive, inspired, a guide, true, and so much on and on. Every one of these could be a series. But until you pick it up for yourself, and until you ask those questions and pursue answers, it'll just be a nice little talk on the Bible that you had this morning. You need to discover it for yourself. So here's a few things that you can do to make movement into practicing getting in and understanding Scripture. First, pray. If the Bible is truly a spiritual book, if you're going to open it and under, connect spiritually, you should probably pray before you get into it. We want to know God's leading. We want to know God's understanding. So to simply say a prayer, God, help me to understand your word. How about this? Set up a Bible reading plan. I don't know if you have a Bible reading plan, but I have the YouVersion app, and we use it here for the church too. And I, and I have a Bible reading plan that I'm going through called the Common Book of Prayer. Every day I have an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and Psalms. So every day I'm reading that. You can go on the YouVersion app. There it is. You want to pick any length of reading you want. You want a three-day reading plan? There it is. You want a couple-year reading plan? There it is. You want to go through a book of the Bible, a section of the Bible, the whole Bible in a certain time frame? They're all there. But you have to come up with a plan to read the Bible. 
So why not look at setting up a Bible reading plan, a new version or some, something else? Another thing you can do is uh, sign up for Right Now Media. We have that available for you through the church. And there's hundreds, if not thousands, of studies on that app. All you have to do is email the office and say, hey, hook me up with Right Now Media. And you will get a link where you can create your own login. And it's like the Netflix of Christian content. There's things for kids, young adults, singles, married, the whole range. There's Bible book studies. Whatever you would like on there is there. But why not connect with some good Christian content? Another one is called The Bible Project. Have you ever checked out The Bible Project, any of you? That's, it is a cool website. And actually, some of those are on Right Now Media. And The Bible Project is this work of a couple gentlemen And what they decided to do was make summary things about different themes in the Bible, books of the Bible, topics in the Bible. And so you can go watch these animated five to ten minute videos that will sum up like a certain book. Hey, I want to know what 1 Timothy is about. You type it in and boom, you have like a five minute summary video that's very visual. Why not go check out the Bible Project? Another great resource is the Museum of the Bible. I don't know if you realize how privileged you are to live in this area. And 30 minutes down the road is a museum of the Bible that just opened. If you haven't been to D.C. in a while, because I know maybe some of you haven't, make the long haul. I know it's super far away, but I think you can do it. But go check out the Bible Museum. It's not trying to convert you to anything, but it's telling you, the historical base of the Bible, the archaeological base of the Bible, how Bible has informed culture and transformed culture. You can do a walk through the Old Testament, the New Testament, check out different videos. You can see every translation of the Bible in which ones are, still don't have their translations in their language. It's a wealth of information, and it's worth a half day or a whole day to go check out. And it's free. It's free. What else do you need? I've been down there twice, and I definitely am going to go back and check it out again. And it's great to take somebody who has questions about the Bible with, because that's what the whole museum is helping to answer. So go check it out. It's right around the corner. People travel here to go to that museum, and you might have to get on the metro. I know, far away. How about get a study Bible? If you like the paper version, you can check this one out. Uh, John MacArthur is a pretty good study Bible. I have about four or five study Bibles on my shelf. I have a program on my computer that helps me study. If you want to know more about the Bible, get yourself a study Bible. It's a great resource if you don't have one. Also, when you're studying the Bible, there's four simple things you do, and it's written in your notes. You do observation. You look at it and you say, what does it say? Okay, that's what it says. Interpretation. What does it mean in light of the whole counsel of God? So we need to understand Scripture in light of the bigger picture. Correlation. How does it relate to life? And how does it relate to other parts of the Bible? And how does it correlate with what I'm seeing in life? And application. How do I apply this to my life? Usually we flip it around and we open the Bible. How does this apply? But we need to pause and really take simple steps of studying the Bible. Now you might look at all this stuff and be like, Mark, I've done all that. (laughs) I'm sorted. I got all this stuff going like a fine-tuned machine. Well, if you do, share your knowledge with somebody else. Because oftentimes we look at the Bible for us, 
but it is for us. And if you have knowledge that God has given you, or if you learned about the Bible, there's maybe somebody that he's saying he wants you to invest in. We need mentors in our life, and we need to be mentoring people in our life, and we need to have friends that we walk with in our life. And just because you're not a Bible scholar doesn't mean that you can't teach somebody else the Word of God. I believe that God wants us to engage with his word. I believe that there's answers in there. I believe that it is an incredible book that's alive, inspired. It's a guide that is true for life. And the Bible is a book that you can ask questions of. And we are people that should be able to provide answers to people's questions. And I believe that God wants to help each one of us get into his word more. And my prayer is that you simply get into God's word and understand it more. And that it's not just an end in itself, that you encounter Jesus through his word. I know the more that I learn about God, the more it transforms me. Because the Bible is not simply for our information, it's for our transformation. Let's pray. God, may you help us to engage with your, your word maybe a little bit more. Maybe today, for some of us, we have never opened the pages of Scripture, and we're just beginning. Or maybe other ones of us have read it multiple times and just need a fresh outpouring, a fresh empowerment to read your Bible with fresh eyes. Or maybe you're calling us to invest in somebody else and teach somebody who doesn't know. But God, I have seen how your word has transformed my life. And may we allow your word to transform our lives, how we live, how we act, how we view ourselves, others, life, God, work, rest, play, marriage. God, may we allow you to transform us, that we would be the people who you're calling us to be and do what you're calling us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.